G'day and welcome to Aussie Vision. I'm Dale. And g'day, I'm Mike. And welcome to our Eurovision weekly update. Um, we've got the pre-parties all kind of finished now, really. So, I mean, obviously that means nothing's happening in Eurovision. <laughs> of course, always something happening. I think it's always almost like uh, interview season now. I see all the artists getting out there and doing various interviews and PR appearances, etc. So, an interesting time. Exactly. And there's a lot of other little events going on in the background, announcements happening, different promo things. But one thing we wanted to just touch on quickly before we get into all that is today... 40 years ago was the Eurovision Song Contest in Munich in 1983. Mm, and of course, famously, the first contest that Australia televised. Delayed, but did televise it. Exactly. So we weren't exactly doing it live on this date, but <laughs> the date is still significant because it does mark the 40 years of Australia doing Eurovision, which is fantastic. So we had a little article up on the website today, which goes through the history of everything from Australian Eurovision from the 50s. So check that out. But also we did get the programming information from SBS again this year. So they're doing the live shows in the morning and they're doing primetime broadcasts semi-final one on the Friday night, semi-final two on the Saturday night, and the grand final on the Sunday night. Yeah, pretty standard stuff from SBS. That's generally the way they handle it every year. Yeah, they sometimes do the Wednesday, you know, they do the kind of other one early in the week. But yeah, I think that works and people can have their parties and get right into it. Hmm. There's a little bit of like movies about music, and I think they're doing that Adam Lior show again Mm. about the food and the cooking and everything for Eurovision. But not an awful lot of uh, sort of supplementary content, I'd imagine, you know, or what I'm seeing, put it that way. Yeah, true, true. I mean, I probably was a little bit disappointed that we didn't see like a kind of a one-off special to mark the 40 years, because I have been really talking up the 40 years, SPS, which is great, but we haven't really seen like, oh, we're doing a show to market or anything like that. So that would have been nice, but I know they're very under-resourced as well. Yeah, possibly adding that sort of stuff into the delayed broadcasts on the Friday, Saturday and Sunday nights. Exactly. There might be sort of different packages of it just to talk about during the primetime show, which I think would be good. I probably imagine they'll do something like that. They kind of did something like that for Australia Decides as well, didn't they? Yes, they did. Right. Well, there's a lot of sort of polls and things that we're going to talk about soon, but we need to talk about something else. And this is the third week in a row. Oh, gosh. We need to talk about the Netherlands. Hmm. Yes, they're in the news, obviously, because of what's happening. Um, looks like around the mainstream media in the in the Netherlands. Yeah, I've got to say, it seems fairly vicious and fairly brutal. Yeah, so to catch everyone up here a little bit, obviously we've talked about the Dutch performances in the pre-parties in the last few weeks, and look, they weren't great, but they weren't awful. No. But they were certainly one of the talking points. Now, they've become more than a talking point in the Netherlands. The mainstream media have gone heavy after them asking questions and then the delegation i mean there might have been some clunky translation but at the same time they were a bit like well we all saw what the problem was there's an issue with the vocals and let's hope they can fix it by eurovision it's not very supportive of the artists well it wasn't one of those you know you get those pr kind of statements like yes of course we love our artists and we support them fully it wasn't that kind of thing and it really did take me by surprise to be honest yeah we know the dutch are blunt but that took it to another (laughs) level right yeah it didn't seem very supportive look i've got a theory i've got nothing to back it up to me it sounds like there's been an issue between the broadcaster and the team that's looking after this year's entry and unfortunately, that's getting a bit terse, and perhaps the artists are getting caught in the middle of it. 
Yeah, it sounds interesting, doesn't it? Like, it just doesn't seem like they're all working together. I mean, that's quite evident. Um, but also, they're talking about bringing back the national final next year for Netherlands, and I'm not sure that's a great idea. But also, they haven't even performed yet. Yeah. It's not like they've got a bad result yet. I mean, they might, but we don't know that for sure. For all we know, this could end up in the top 10, and then everyone looks like a bit silly, don't they? But um, yeah, I thought it was very premature talk about that sort of stuff. I, I've never seen, I mean, maybe back in the day, but definitely not an Aussie vision day. We've never seen anything like this from the delegation being mm. so um, overt about their artists. I think it's really, really unprofessional. That's why I think there's something more going on in the background. And to me also, that statement they made did specifically mention the team uh, working around the entry. So as I say, I suspect there may be some tension there. And this all comes after we did a Netherlands podcast uh, review and rank where I said that the Dutch were the best Eurovision fans and they don't do any drama. And all we've had since has been drama, <laughs> but I must say, not from the fans. Yeah, it doesn't seem this is like a fan-led sort of thing. It seems to be very much more the official kind of uh, you know broadcaster and team. Exactly, but I gave it the Ausvision kiss of death. There yes. has been nothing <laughs> but absolute crazy drama since. Now, also France. Now, obviously, Lazara had some personal thing that she couldn't do the pre-parties. There was obviously something really quite important in her life. And then the French media have gone after her as well. Apparently, it's not an odd thing that the French media like to go after the Eurovision Song Contest in general or their artists. So, yeah, perhaps I'm not overly surprised that it's the French media reaction. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't seem as crazy and obvious as the um the the dutch one and obviously we've seen the, the same things kind of happen in the uk as well you know there was too much positivity they had to drag eurovision down of course so it does happen but mm. i do think it's like um you know it is important to remember that it's not just there's a lot of um criticism sometimes of fans and sometimes of fan press but i tell you what the mainstream media can take it to a whole nother level which i think we've seen unfortunately this week yeah i think with lazara too obviously she doesn't have to play her life out in public but because there was no clarification of what the problem was, I think that kind of invites people to fill the void and, and um, perhaps leaves her open to criticism. As I say, she's under no obligation to tell everybody, and that's fair enough. Exactly. And I don't know, maybe the fact she's French-Canadian, maybe hmm. maybe there might be a little... It'd be one of those ones, if she does really well, she'd be like, she is French. And if she doesn't, they'd be like, no, that Canadian did us <laughs> terribly. <laughs> we'll see. I got the feeling she might do okay, though. All right, well, let's talk about Voyager really quickly now as well, because we know that they did those pre-parties. I just also want to raise that they've actually gone up in the odds. Not a huge amount, but climbing up to like 15th to possibly take out the title when they were around 19th, 20th earlier before the pre-parties. It showed that this has been a really good positive couple of weeks for Voyager. Yeah, I don't know why people put bets on or what their motiva motivation is, but obviously a bit of money has gone on, on to Voyager for various sort of different markets. Who knows? doesn't really mean anything, does it? The betting odds get it wrong all the time. But you're right, I think it just shows a general trend that they had a positive reaction from their performances. I think people can get wrapped up too much in the odds. And like, yeah, we do stuff on it as well. And, you know, obviously if you are having a bet without getting all the full gamble responsible stuff, like, generally like yeah be careful um but at the same time it does give some indication of trends just like a poll does Ooh. from the ogae etc but it's nice to see a trend going upwards mm. because sometimes the trend going downwards can be accurate i mean we saw jessica malboy we got love fall like a rock after those rehearsals and it was for good reason because she went from a massive chance not to so just nice to see that voyage has been 
seen as successful and doing the pre-parties is, I think is a good thing for momentum. Oh yeah, for sure. It's great to get yourself out there in front of the fans and get a bit of hype and get a bit of buzz going for it. Uh, they seem to be doing well in the sort of qualification uh, betting rounds. So I think the second favourite second, yep. in semi-final two to go through. So that is a very, very positive thing to see. And that's the main thing for us. Absolutely. We just, just want to get to that Saturday night. After you get burnt once, that's all you want ever <laughs> again. Now, um, talking, which I think it was good just to talk about that Voyager stuff, because number one, OGAE poll. Now, this is something that happens every year. It's the fan networks across the world. Each club votes for each one, uh, which is good because you can't vote for yourself. So mm-hmm. all those kind of uh, bias that comes from the Eurovision scoreboard and stuff like that comes out. And it's been a neck and neck race. Um, at the moment, Sweden are just ahead of Finland. So I think Finland are doing a bit better than I expected in the OGAE poll. Hmm, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. These are the two front runners, obviously. So yeah, I'm not surprised they're kind of neck and neck in the OJ poll. You can take what you want out of it. It's not always the most accurate thing, the OJ poll. But once again, probably just a little bit of a, an indication of where rabid fans are standing. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, number one, the demographic of OGAE can swing a little older, hmm. a little bit more male. Yes. And maybe they like pride parades a little bit like us. Yes. So that happens a bit. Uh, but also, Toy was the last OGAE poll winner to actually win. So it actually hasn't had a great run in recent years. Mm. But the worst result someone's had in the OGAE poll is ninth, which is Jamala, to actually go and take out the crown. So if you're not in that top 10, and generally if you're not in that top three or four, you generally don't have a chance of winning. So it does give you some indication. Yeah, I can't see a massive bolter coming out of the pack here to probably uh, sabotage that top two at this point. Exactly. And the only reason I was a little surprised is I thought the demographic I just mentioned might just go a bit heavy in the Sweden um, side, Hmm. more so than Finland. But Sweden's still in front. I still think she'll win. But Cha-Cha-Cha's doing well. Yeah, very, very well. Good to see. Uh, On the flip side, Voyager don't have a point yet. Hmm. Even the rest of the world didn't give them a point, which I was a bit disappointed about. But... Again, so many times, songs do really well, like a Moldova 2018. Zero Gravity didn't do very well in the OGAE poll. So you can kind of take it with a pinch of salt. Rock tends not to do pretty well either, unless you're you're an outrageous favourite like sort of Monoskin or whatever. You don't tend to do very well. Exactly. So don't panic about that. And on the flip side, the other one that's really worth taking sort of attention of is the Euro Jury. Now, this has been done every year. They get artists and songwriters and people from the industry from virtually every country together to do a kind of jury vote. And this has actually been a little quite successful of picking some songs that kind of leap from the pack and do well with the jury. Yeah, it has been a, a a decent indication of perhaps where jury votes will go so it's always interesting to see uh yeah how the vote turns out on this one so like even don't come easy they did pick that doing very well in that now sweden of course is doing very well but one that isn't doing as well it's still about fifth or sixth but a long way behind is cha 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 is that an indication that it's going to potentially struggle with the jury? Uh, I think Tattoo was always going to be a jury kind of song and a jury favourite, so that doesn't shock me that it's winning. And I guess you could, you know, take out of it that perhaps Cha-Cha-Cha isn't going to appeal to the juries as strongly, but that's not really a surprise to anyone, is it? Yeah, true, true. It'll be interesting to see how that kind of ends up in, in the final result. Interesting one that has popped up a little bit in the top 10 of that at the moment is things like Belgium and Cyprus. Ooh. Good for Andrew Lambrew, of course. Aussie Andrew for Cyprus. So, I, again, I'm not 
super surprised, but they're doing pretty well. Yeah, it seems more of a jury song, doesn't it? Like it's a well-crafted Swedish song. I'm probably a bit surprised with Belgium. I guess there's a degree of solidness there that perhaps the jury's are seeing, and that's getting it into the points. And in good news, Voyager have got points in this. I think we've already had from four different countries, including a top three from Spain, I think UK and Georgia and San Marino maybe. Ooh. So um, they're getting points from the jury when I think we've been a little bit concerned about how this might be taken from the jury. And so far, we're getting some points. Well, we'll see if it translates to the real competition. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Dale, it does seem like the artists are in interview and PR mode, and you got a chance to speak to the UK representative this week, May Muller. Yeah, exactly. They are in PR mode, and we are jumping all over that. No, <laughs> we've started through a few interviews, obviously, with artists you've heard in the last few weeks, and we did get a chance to talk to um, May this week. I mean, she's a, a delight. Yes. Like, there's just she just has energy and positivity about it, and that really comes through on video particularly. So, yeah, check it out if the full interview if you haven't seen it yet but we are going to play just a couple of snippets from it where she talks about Eurovisioning up her entry and a couple of other things so you mentioned uh, that you wrote your song before you were chosen for Eurovision and that you made some tweaks uh, to the song uh, what was that process like of uh, Eurovisioning it up so to speak yeah do you know what I think I am actually really happy that I did write it before, like the bulk of it, because I feel like if I like went into the studio, you know, with the thought of like, you have to write a Eurovision song now, I don't like, you never, um, I don't know if that would have gone down very well, because I would have been like, what do I do? Like, where do I start? So the fact that it kind of happened really organically, I was really happy with, but then yeah, you know, when I found out and I, you know, I sort of put my Eurovision hat on and I thought, what can I do to just make it like extra special? And I think, that sort of spoken word section in my mind was such a great way to just really, really like fully just connect with the audience, have quite an intimate moment because obviously, you know, like 200 million people watch it every year. So it's like, when can I really just speak directly to everyone and yeah, just have a bit of a sort of a bit of directness. And I thought that was quite a good way of, you know of doing it and it's fun and it's it's you know something that everyone can sort of like shout it's not really you know it's sort of spoken so I thought that would be quite quite a nice way to do it and we rewrote it like five or six times so I'm happy well, it's where we ended up a bit of a random question uh obviously a lot of artists are flying into like Liverpool and Manchester uh you're in the UK how are you going to get so your vision, are you getting a train? Are you driving yourself? Is someone driving you there? You getting a mega bus? <laughs> it's so funny. I did see someone go, oh, how are we going to greet May when she gets into the airport? And everyone was like, babes, she's not going to fly. <laughs> Which I kind of wish I was. I kind of wish I was like, you know, I feel like I'm kind of missing out on something. That's a good question. I haven't asked yet. Maybe I reckon we're going to probably have a sort of mini, like a um, bus situation. Or maybe we'll just get the train. I don't know. I love the train. I I, I enjoy getting a, a nice train ride and I'm sure I'll be going up with all the dancers and the team. So it might be easier just to hop on a train, but we've not thought that far. We probably should. It's coming up soon. So Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, she is such a delight, isn't she? And I think you just get a little taste of how much bags of personality she really, really does. Now, it is interesting that she'd already written her song. It wasn't written specifically for Eurovision, but she did want to Eurovision it up a bit. So hence, you know, for example, we got that spoken word part. Yeah, and I think that makes sense because I love the fact it was written not for Eurovision. You can hear that she was like, oh God, if I had to go into a room and write one, that's hard. But hey, this song seems to fit. But, oh, okay, we still need to tweak it because you don't want to go and write a Eurovision song, but you still need to adapt it to grab attention for a thing. And I love the fact she's like, I need a moment with those almost 200 million people to connect rather than another part she says, I don't want people just to watch me sing and dance. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to connect with them. And it's a chance for her to do that. Yeah, I thought it was very clever because, yeah, you could just basically, okay, we'll just do another chorus or we'll just do a, a general bridge and a bit of a dance break kind of thing. So... I think it's quite a brave decision, actually, to come up with that spoken word part. And personally, I think it really works. I think it works as well a lot. And I love the fact, and the reason we had that bit of the, no, like, she doesn't know, how do you not know how you're going to get to Liverpool? It's only like, isn't she rehearsing like next week or something? She probably doesn't even know what's happening today until her team tell her, you know. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that she doesn't know at this point how on earth she's even getting to Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it totally. I hope I didn't offend her by saying Megabus because the Megabus is like what you get for like a pound to oh, go really? all the way to Edinburgh or something from I London. can't imagine she'll be on that, nor would I be waiting for her at the airport by all accounts. Yeah, and also um, you won't be getting the train because you ain't going to be just hopping up to go to Liverpool. I mean, UK train prices are ridiculous. You have to do them months in advance. So I'm sure someone's driving her up in a probably lovely little minivan or bus or something. I can imagine so. Well, some other artists that the Aussie Vision team got to speak to during the week was one of the favourites, and it's Austria's entry with Taya and Salina, and Craig from the team had the pleasure of speaking to them throughout the week. A fantastic opportunity to speak to the pair, and he's got some really interesting information from them because, you know, these songwriting camps, so good to hear about it. You'll hear about it in a second, and also a couple of things about the lyrics. These songwriting camps have become kind of legendary among fans, but I don't think many of us know what actually happens at them. So, like, what actually happens at a songwriting camp? Did you arrive? You said you sort of created Edgar. Edgar was born at this songwriting camp. But what does that look like? Um, so, basically, every every camp has an A&R, um, which <laughs> name drops in our song as well. I've heard but that it, one. The A&R um, is the person who organizes the camp, he and, uh, or, or, or she, whoever. They invite... Mm-hmm. Uh, they invite artists, songwriters, and producers into a camp. It's always always about like 20 or 30 people. <laughs> and uh, the camps usually go for on for about three days. And camps are, there's camps for everything. There's camps for dance music, for specific artists, uh, for albums and stuff. But a lot of the time, camps are Eurovision camps. Um, in which, uh, you know, there's going to be artists that want to go to Eurovision, but also just like uh, songwriters that just generally write for Eurovision. And yeah. every morning you get a briefing, you get put into a group together. It's mostly like three people. So like a songwriter, a producer and an artist. And the briefings always just write something for Eurovision, write a Eurovision hit uh, that isn't over three minutes, that has not, that doesn't have any cuss words in it. But basically... Um, write something that feels right because uh, I feel like if you write specifically for Eurovision uh, it may not it's probably not going to work out 
uh, a lot of the time, but writing something that's very authentic to the artist that's in the room um, usually works out great. And that's um, how we started. So Selena was the artist, I was a songwriter and our producer Ronnie, um, he was producing in the session and we originally wrote Selena for Selena because uh, she was one of the artists talked about going to Eurovision this year for, for Austria. Um, so we had a great day of writing and then because it was so much fun and we had an hour left before the listening session, which is where all uh, the participants of the camp get together, have dinner and listen to the songs from that day. We thought, okay, let's just let's just keep going and, and write something that that is very authentic to us and just is fun, basically. So we did not have Eurovision in mind. And apparently that was the um, winning Imagine factor for us. Yeah, 100 percent. You mentioned passwords. But I have heard on the grapevine that who the hell is Edgar apparently had some cuss words in it originally. Is that, is that yeah. true? Because well, as Australians, we obviously love a good swear word down here. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to give you some. Uh, yeah, actually, we had like, who the hell is Edgar was who the fuck is Edgar? Because Ronnie, <laughs> our producer, he asked who the fuck is Edgar? Because Taya was like, it is Edgar Allan Poe. And then, yeah, you know? And he was like, who the fuck is Edgar? And we said, oh, we're going to put that in the song. Definitely. Yeah. But, you know, in a nicer way. And also, yeah. like, we had, and I think he can resist in the first verse. We had, like, um, and he's writing like a bitch. So, <laughs> but that's it, I guess. I think that's it. We haven't had more cuss words. Can we yeah. expect the sort of explicit <laughs> version on Spotify anytime or? Probably not. No, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> no, probably not. In the end, I, I feel like we like the who the hell uh, a lot more anyways, because I feel like it it, um, it definitely translates the message more. People usually say like, who the hell is this? Or who the hell does, uh, do they think they are, you know? So, so it makes a lot more sense that it is hell, but yes, originally it was fuck. I will say, down here in Australia, who the hell is not the more common variation on that? <laughs> um, we do love a good swear word. Well, I definitely had heard that who the hell is Edgar wasn't particularly the first uh, right of lyrics, <laughs> shall we put it that way. But obviously with our uh, language uh, restrictions, you wouldn't be able to use the original lyrics. But it sounds like uh, they wrote it for a bit of fun as well. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, I love the fact because I, I saw it on Twitter that it was those are the words, especially the one that used the B word um, that rhymes with rich. And I was like, no way was that the words like, have we got a verified source for this? And then literally out of like the mouths of them, that was the case. Mm -hmm. And I always thought when they said it was a songwriting one, I'm like, what's happened with that is someone said, oh, yeah, we're going to put Edgar Allan Poe in. And someone's gone, who the... Is yeah. Edgar because that's you can tell that's naturally how it happened. I love it. And they're like, great, we're using that one. That one goes down on the list. And also, I'm so glad he asked about songwriting camps because you'll hear the question there. It was like, we always hear about them, but what does it actually involve? Now, in my mind, when they said songwriting camps, I imagined little log cabins. What? And you know, you know how Did you go you? on like school camps. Oh and you go my on, God. <laughs> but obviously, they're just in like hotels or whatever. But um, yeah, it's good to hear the process of actually what happens. And like a bit of pressure, you know, if you get chucked into a room with a couple of people, 
And it's like, well, at the end of the day at dinner, show us what you came up with. Like, oh, you better get something good. Yeah, I mean, you might not vibe with people and all that. And it, but it, something does remind me about a school camp with it, about like, okay, once we're all done, we all get to get the dinner and then we play the music. Because like, I remember all, our school camps, you did that and you had to do a talent show and get up and perform. It sounds like that, God. but a little bit more professional, obviously. <laughs> and I remember We Adomi did their song the kind of the same way. I remember them saying, hey, oh, we've only got half an hour left. Let's just do a dance song. Hmm. And then it just sort of started to come together. So maybe taking that pressure off and just going, oh, let's just throw this thing together works. Yeah, Rather than like, write, you know, write that Eurovision hit. Definitely. Let's just have a bit of fun and see where it goes. And that tends to be when people relax. And maybe that's when the creative things really uh, happen. Yeah. Now, go to the YouTube and check out that interview. They are quite funny, I must say. Yeah. They, I really are. And Craig did a great job of kind of like wrestling them into questions at times because they were just kind of going off on tangents, which is great. And they did talk about that leak, the mm. leak of the song and how they felt about it, how they found out and all that stuff. So that's a lovely little tidbit. Go and watch that interview. Well, also during the week, um, Kyriakos from the team was very lucky to chat to Julio Imede, who is the stage designer for Eurovision 2023. And he's actually an Aussie. Yes, very interesting. But I got a great insight into some real kind of technical things about the stage, etc. So a very, very interesting interview. Exactly. And I must say, he's actually from El Salvador originally. He came to Australia and then he has gone off to America. So we're claiming as much as we can from him. <laughs> and in the interview, that not this snippet, we do. he does talk to him about his whole upbringing here in Australia and learning the whole craft of what he does here. So that was super interesting. But we're going to play you a little snippet here about him talking about some of the aspects of the stage in Liverpool. Now, I know you probably can't reveal too much, but what elements or experiences from the staging uh, this year can we expect that we haven't seen at Eurovision before? Like, what, what can you tell us? Um, well, there's the, there's a lot of lighting and technology integrated in this year's design. There's a lot of new lighting technology that we've been working very closely with the lighting uh, designer. Uh, and uh, and so there is there is a blend of that kind of video and lighting in certain performances and how they're being used. Um the I guess ninety five percent of the architecture that I've designed with my team is made out of video, from the floor to the ceiling to the sides. So I guess I guess even in the ceiling is a really interesting approach on how to sort of you know, accommodate uh, video, you know, hanging upside down. So that's that's I guess that's a sort of a, a unique take on what we are doing. There is a lot of automation in this set as well. And again, I go back to being able to transform this set into so many different, you know, creatives. So I think one of the key things is transformation of the stage. Um, so you will see a lot of movement pieces that are part of our set. And in fact, we have we start rehearsals today on all that automation. Well, I have to say, I'm very excited hearing that description of the video and the sort of architecture around the entire stage. Sounds like a lot of technology, a lot of LED use. I did get a little bit worried when he used the word automation. 
because we all know what happened to automated stages in the past. And moving parts and yes. things like that. But no, I'm going to focus on the positives of it all because <laughs> I think it just sounds like I love to see LEDs and videos and all that kind of stuff. So I think it sounds great. It's floor, it's ceilings, it's uh, everything. Mm. And also it sounds like a lot of lighting as well with it too. And I know in the interview, he did very much talk about the challenge of like, you've got 37 different acts and you've got to try and cater for them and create a space that's going to work for lots of different approaches with it so super interesting stuff the interview's not up at the moment we're just going to get a few things sorted on that one and it will be up soon though but there's that little snippet there yeah really really interesting i always consider eurovision is where you know you're seeing the latest in stage technology etc etc so great to hear you see so many of those shows that um like julio's done the past he's done the grammys and other ones you see so many elements that they steal from your not that julio's done it but other people have stolen or borrowed very heavily mm. from eurovision because i think they lead the way in this stuff yeah very much so Well, the other thing we normally have on is obviously hearing in from Andrew Lambrew, but we know he was traveling over to Cyprus. So he is just definitely caught up in some, you know, Eurovision-y things over in Europe now. He's definitely become a lot more of a busy man. Yeah, to be expected. He's arrived in Cyprus and there's a lot to do. So yes, not hearing from him this week, but I'm sure we'll probably hear from him again before uh, Eurovision actually happens. Exactly. He's been so generous with his time already. So that's amazing. So, no, we will definitely hear from Andrew again in the future. And just talking about going to Eurovision as well, we didn't actually mention at the start. I think this happened during the week. Uh, we've got press accreditation. Ah, yes, we did. We haven't mentioned that, have we? No, we haven't. So, um, <laughs> four of us. Mm. Yes, yeah, so four of the team will be in the press centre, which is a big change from last year because we only had the one. So I think we'll have a great opportunity to bring a lot of content uh, out of the press centre and getting the whole vibe there at the stadium. It's going to make a massive difference because obviously you were in there last year and trying to do so many things at once. So it's going to be both of us, but also Kyriakos from the team, who's just an absolute superstar, and Liv, who just brings so much. Also does TikTok, which is great. We need someone to do that well, but she does so much more than that. And it really is the core team of Aussie Vision. And to have four of us there and for Kyriakos and Liv, it's their first ever Eurovision so they are just going to be like wide-eyed and loving it well we'll be all cynical and like I'm ready for the week to end by now <laughs> yeah it's a really exciting time I think they're going to have uh, a, an unforgettable experience and also have that press aspect on top of it as well as a real bonus yeah it's going to be amazing and you know it's just great that you know the EBU and the comms team and all those over there have really embraced the fan press this year there's no restrictions on the COVID side. That makes a big difference. So mm. it's wonderful to see because I think we're all working together to uplift the contest. Yeah, it's been a very positive week in the fan media space, that's for sure. Exactly. A lot of happy people. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, we'll see. I don't know where we'll be with next week. Will we start to see the little bits of rehearsal? 30th of April, isn't it, that the first lot come through? That's right. We don't actually get access um, to it, but there might be some, I don't know, TikToks or some kind of things that we might have a look at. So there might be something to speak through. And um, yeah, we'll um, be in touch next week. I dare say the EBU will be putting some stuff out on the official channels, fingers crossed. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great week. As always, thanks for joining us and thank you for your support. You can follow us on our social media channels at AussieVisionNet. 
And if you want to support the work that we and 20 Aussie Vision volunteers do and get some really good bonus content, then you can subscribe to our Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thanks very much. Catch you later.